0: you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with us to Galatians chapter number six. This is the last week of our series, hashtag freedom. I thought about 10 weeks. It ended up being about 24 ish. Okay. So, uh, that just goes to show you don't ever plan on short when it comes to me. I'll stretch it out uh, a lot longer than a lot of folks will. But, you can't really blow through it real fast and glean uh, the things that, that we can learn from a particular book of the of the scripture. And at the same time, we don't want to dig into it so deep that we get lost in it. Uh, I will tell you, uh, those of you who hadn't been around for a while, we call that first and second Samuel. That was about two years of our life. and uh, But we learned some things about David and some of the others surrounding him. Galatians chapter number six, we're going to pick up in verse number 11, we're going to finish out so by means of review okay we're going to do this pretty quickly by means of review the letter to the Galatians was written by Paul to the people in the region of Galatia which is class tell me modern day what country Turkey. We've reviewed this a lot. It's modern day Turkey. So Paul writes a letter to a group of churches in a region in order to address an issue. And that issue is heresy. Some false doctrine had come into that church in the terms of religious law keeping. Here's what happened. The people in Galatia had some folks come in to tell them that their salvation was not complete unless they became Jews. If you were male, you needed to be circumcised. And if you're a Christian, male or female, you needed to begin following the law codes of the law of Moses. And so Paul addresses this situation and just calls it what it is. It's an emergency letter. This is a, this is, I got to get truth to you in a hurry. In chapter number one, Paul defends the gospel of Jesus Christ preached by him as the authentic and exclusive gospel. Paul was willing to say, if you hear a gospel different than the one I preached, it is false. It's not authentic and it's not to be believed. So he presented the gospel that he preached as authentic and exclusive. Say, Kevin, can he do that? Yes, he can, because God himself gave him the gospel to proclaim. Can we do that? Yes, we can, as long as we are preaching the gospel recorded in the words of Scripture that God gave to Paul and the other apostles to pen. So yes, we can say that this is the only authentic and it is the exclusive gospel Forgiveness of sin and salvation to those who are sinners. And you know, that's all of us. So secondly, Galatians chapter two and three, Paul defends this gospel in terms of justification. It's this notion that God can declare one righteous who is not righteous on the basis of the work of another through the vehicle of faith. Paul says that justification comes by faith alone in Jesus, in his finished work, his death, his resurrection. God's plan for forgiveness is found in Christ. And God will declare you righteous, not because of any work that you've done, but because of faith in Jesus, the work of another. So we get this notion of justification by faith. He speaks a little bit about it in Galatians, and then he says a whole lot about it in the letter to the church in Rome. So he teaches salvation comes through justification by faith in Jesus alone, apart from the law of Moses. Then in chapters three and four, he teaches what the law of Moses was about. What was the purpose of the law? Why did the Jewish people have the law? And Paul clearly says that the law was never meant to save because the law cannot save. The law simply shows us our sinfulness and points us to the holiness of God and our need of forgiveness. Our need between us and God is vast because of the sin that we discover through the the law and our complete inability to keep it so what was the purpose of the law it was a yard sign if you will it was a neon sign a directional thing to keep people looking at God and hoping for something that will affect their life and their inability to keep the holy requirements of God then in chapter number five, in terms of justification by faith and the law having been been fulfilled by the work of Christ, Paul speaks the, the main point of the whole letter, and that is Christian... You're free. God has set you free to be free. So these folks are telling you to follow the law and they're just flat wrong. They're teaching you something that the law was never meant to do. The law was never meant to put shackles on you when Christ set you free by opening the doors of your prison cell. You weren't set free to put on shackles. You've been set free for freedom. Of course, that freedom is not to be used to indulge your own sinful flesh. You've not been set free to do whatever you want. You've been set free to follow the God who saved you, to enjoy the relationship that you have through adoption and new birth. You're free to follow him and to enjoy him and to love him and serve him without any hindrances. And those two main hindrances that we face a lot of times are the rules and regulations that we call legalism. The way you've got to act if you're going to be a good Christian. You've got to do this my way at this time on these days. And Paul says, nope, you are free from any of man's laws, but you're not free from where God will lead. If you will focus in on him, he will lead you to where you're to be, when you're to be there, to be accomplishing what he he's designed you to do and he'll lead you away from your own sin and he'll lead you apart from the rules and regulations of others. If we find ourselves as Christians living in sin, what we've done is we've used our freedom to indulge ourselves. Paul says that's not what God wants us to use our freedom for. In fact, we're to use our freedom in pursuit of God to serve one another. I want to draw your attention back to the tables that we've got with signs above them. These are just opportunities for you to engage in the service of one another. These are just they're they're just tools that we use to give you an opportunity to serve because that's what God's called you to do and use your freedom for in service to one another. And so in chapter number six, Paul then applies these things. He starts telling us how we can serve one another in our freedom. And the first one we saw was how we're to use our freedom as we're following after the the leading of the Holy Spirit, equipped by him and uh, and encouraged through him, empowered by him. We're to look for brothers and sisters who've fallen by the wayside and we're to seek to help them be restored. We're to restore one another into right fellowship with God and, and back to effectiveness. And then last week we were told that we're to use our gifts use our time use our treasure as investments so we're to take what god has given us and put it to work without reservation as we serve one another so just a couple of ways to put that to practice. Paul's main idea was to get the truth into their ears that the law cannot save and you can't add anything to the gospel. And here's a couple of ways to do that. And now he comes to his closing remarks. He does this in almost every letter that he writes. He kind of brings it to a close and it's that last paragraph where you're just saying the final things before you sign your name and put it in the mail or put it on the back of someone who's gonna be jumping on a ship to take it to these people that you haven't seen in some weeks. And that's where we find ourselves in this part of the the chapter in verses 11 through 18, Paul's just gonna kinda bring it down with some final jabs of truth, some final jabs of warning and now go stand on this truth that i've given you and reminded you of that's why we're calling today freedom standing we've learned what freedom is we learned where it comes from we learned what stops it and how it's to be used and now we're going to stand on what we've learned in these final remarks let's just read them all galatians chapter 6 verse 11 through 18 it says see far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, a lot of times when Paul concludes a letter, he has some closing remarks that are very personal He'll identify some folks that he wants to know that he's thinking about. So basically he's like, hey, tell tell Epaphroditus, I said, hey, we miss him. Tell her and tell him and I just miss you. So, So he concludes a lot of his letters in that fashion. This one, he really doesn't get very personal. This is a slap you in the face letter because you are treading on dangerous waters. And quite frankly, my mind is so, I think, so wrapped up in what I'm trying to say. I just don't have any time for any pleasantries here. Get going and tell them the truth that they seem to have forgotten. This letter is so in your face. It's like a a courtroom argument that starts and goes to the finish. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. It's now up to y'all whether you will obey or reject. And so we see these things that he had to say. And and, and, and I just want to go back through these just a verse at a time. And just see if there's a lesson that we can put in place with just what we've heard. Some, some, some things that we can think about in 2018 on the basis of what was going on here in the first century. And I wonder if there's some tie-in that we can, as he's calling them, now stand on that. Now you take this and you go to the top of the hill and you don't let anybody drag you down. We played that on the playground, hadn't we? You know, king of the hill. We get up there, who's gonna bring you down? No one. Somebody's gonna be crying before recess is over because you're not bringing me, you're right. You know the way. Paul says, stand on that hill and punch, gouge, whatever you got to do to stay on it because your freedom and how you exercise it depends on whether or not you stand on God's truth that we have just spent six chapters defending. Number one, he says in verse 11, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. With my own hand is something that you find in three other letters as well. 1 Corinthians 16, 21, Colossians 4, 18, 2 Thessalonians 3, 47, where Paul says, see that I'm writing this conclusion with my own hands. Here's what most scholars believe Paul did as a regular practice. Most believe that he would dictate the letter for whatever reason to a scribe. He would probably speak it and the scribe would write it. Because when we get to the conclusion, and he says, see that I'm writing this in my own hand. This is where he's signing this letter to authenticate it. Because anybody could write and say from Paul the apostle from Tarsus and he would it would have his name on it. But he needed to authenticate it and so he would sign it like we're in the habit of doing to make sure that yes, we did want to take this loan out to buy this home. They make you sign and sign and sign and sign for all authentication purposes what Paul says here is a little bit different than what he did in these other letters when he says you'll see these large letters I have written and it makes a number of Bible students wonder whether or not Paul may have written this one himself Paul very well may have skipped the process of trying to find and hire a scribe to write so that he could get this information to them as soon as possible and not wait on any hindrances. So he sits down. Some believe that Paul may have even had some chronic eye trouble. We saw that back in, I believe, chapter number three, where he was saying how, how much they welcomed him and would have even given their own eyes for him and his ailment. Many believe that maybe he had vision trouble. So maybe these large letters are the one he's having to write because they didn't have Coke bottle glasses in those times. And so maybe that's what he's talking about. But the bottom line is Paul is making no bones about everything you've heard. I have said, nobody said this for me. Nobody took and reinterpreted this so that it would make more. Sense to you these are the words that I'm saying because they're truth and they are from me from start to finish I wonder if we can as followers of Jesus Christ take some stand-up lessons from these few verses and I wonder hearing what he's saying I said this I stand by this I'm giving it to you I wonder if we can walk away from here saying you know what We can stand up for freedom by standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ received by grace through faith alone and leading to freedom through the spirit. I wonder how many of us believe the gospel but don't stand on it. And by stand on it, I mean are marked by it. When people talk about religion, It is clear to them that we are followers of Jesus by faith alone in his death and resurrection. Or do they know us as church people in a Christian environment? Do they see us stand on the gospel clearly defined by faith in Jesus alone? I'm on the hill, you'll never drag me down. If that's not the case and you're a follower of Jesus, the best thing you can do is understand the gospel without reservations before you understand any other thing about the scripture or theology or argue about any other of the nuances of things that people argue about. You need to know what the gospel is and isn't and that needs to be the hill that you die on. When you do, you are standing up for freedom. Because salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone is the only source of freedom. Verse number 12. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. These Jewish law abiders that had come behind Paul and Barnabas, they were wanting to force them into following the law codes. They were wanting to force them into doing what the gospel does not require. The gospel requires faith in Christ and they were trying to force them and Paul gives now their motive. It was for a show in the flesh. They were doing works or expressions of the faith as as outward shows alone. They were wanting others to follow them in an outward display, an outward reflection of the faith that was not rooted in the the plan and pronouncement of God. So they were wanting something external just to be a show in the flesh. I wonder if we can hear Paul saying, listen, you need to stand up for freedom in Christ." by standing up against expressions of faith that are clearly external only. When you are around or in circles of those who are speaking or promoting expressions of faith that are clearly external because you know them and that's not who they are, it's just what they're doing and what they're wanting you to join them in. We stand up against expressions that are external only motivated by self-righteousness that we have. It's where when we come into the environment of our Christian brothers and sisters, we want to say all the right things and do all the right things and and make all the right motions and don't say and don't talk about. But that's only because of who we're connected to. When we get into our own environment, we fall right back into who we are. Paul says you need to stand up against that because that is not freedom. That's an external show motivated by self-righteous flesh. We stand for freedom when we stand against the externals only. We continue on in that verse. He says that they would force you to be circumcised and that they're doing only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, in the first century in Roman occupied Palestine, it was not against the law to be Jewish. The Romans, Caesar in particular, saw the Jewish religion as an ancient religion. It went back centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And so what the Romans would do is they would look at that and say, you know what? We can keep a better handle on them if we don't try to force them into our religion since they've been doing these things and believing these things for centuries. So what we're gonna do as Romans, we're gonna grandfather their religion into our system and go, if you're Jewish, you're okay. And can't you imagine the God of heaven and earth sitting on his throne going, thanks Caesar, I appreciate you accommodating what I've done. But Rome says, if you're a Jew, you can do that. Yeah, you can go to that temple and you can pray. Y'all can have those feast times. That's fine because it's ancient. Christianity was not that. Christianity was a religion of worship of a guy that Rome executed. And they saw that as dangerous. They saw that not as Judaism, but rather as something new and something that could get out of hand real quick. Because someone we condemn to death is now being worshipped. Yeah, we can't have that because they were an enemy of Rome. But What these Judaizers were doing was coming in and saying... Paul says they'll follow circumcision they'll follow the law codes as a part of Christianity so when Rome looks in they'll think they're just being Jewish and you know what they'll avoid persecution we can bring that right into our world You see, what our world is okay with, our world is perfectly fine with you having a personal faith as long as that does not extend to where you work, where you educate or are being educated, where you serve, where you participate, as long as you keep it to yourself and your family and don't let it extend out of your home, we're fine with whatever you want to believe. And many Christians are walking that time wire trying to make sure they don't offend anyone by the things that they believe making sure that they don't that 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 their their commitment to Christ does not cause them to say or be or reflect something that the world might not understand so that they might avoid the persecution Paul says you got to stand up for freedom that comes by faith alone in Christ alone and you've got to stand up against these kinds of teachings, these hypocritical faiths or ones that glorify conformity to something that man says, you got to stand up against hypocrisy. Most of our standing up against hypocrisy is our own. I'm not saying you need to go to work and you need to rip down somebody's, you know, Christian stuff that they've got. I'm going, you're not a true follower of Christ. This is hypocrisy. I'm not saying you go to your neighbor and knock on their door. and You're a hypocrite. No, I'm talking about standing up against the hypocrisy in our life. Paul says, look, you want to live to avoid persecution, then you're not going to be following the spirit very far because the spirit is gonna lead you into the fray of the world that Christ followed. And guess what? There was no way for Christ to avoid persecution because the world hated him. And he told his followers, if they hated me, they're gonna hate you. If the world doesn't hate you in some capacity, you might be holding back a little in your faith walk. I'm not saying that the the world can hate you for being a jerk. So don't, I'm not talking about that. Don't be a jerk. If they hate you for being a jerk, if they hate you for being a bigot, if they hate you for being unloving, then quit it because none of that is the character of Christ. But if they hate you because of who he is in your life, you probably are following the leading of the Holy Spirit and living out the faith in real time. Paul says you got to stand up against this hypocritical faith. They don't themselves, uh, they, wanna be pers- they don't want to avoid persecution. Verse number 13, for even those who are circumcised, who are they? They're the, the Jewish folks who are trying to avoid the persecution. Even those who are being circumcised do not themselves keep the law, I don't know if Paul is saying they're not trying to keep the law that they want you to hold or if he's saying they can't even do what they're trying to tell you to do. I think it's probably the latter. They can't even keep the law themselves. And they only want to do this in order, they want want a desire for you to be circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They can't keep all the law they can't do what they're trying to get you to do and believe you can but if they can get you into their crowd you know what they'll do they'll boast at how big their crowd's getting well look how many followers we have look look what we're doing and we've got the biggest and you know what we face that in our world today it's hard not to want more folks in order to have more folks so that when you're in the company of other folks who have folks, you can compare how many folks you got. Used folks a lot in that, didn't it? We don't have to be, we to be careful that we don't want others to do what we do so that we can boast that everybody's doing. What we do. I, I I just think back not too far back in, in my history of being in in church meetings where a lot of pastors were were, were filling the, the auditorium and 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 the preacher would get up and the preacher, whoever it would be for that particular time, he'd preach a sermon about the stuff we're already doing because of the circle we're in. And everybody's hooping and hollering, you know, yes, preach it, brother. He's all he's doing is he's he's communicating and hollering about things we're already doing and judging those that aren't doing it the way we're doing it and getting excited whenever more folks will come in and do it the way we're doing it. And you know what? That's the same thing Paul says. And he said, that ain't freedom at all. In fact, you need to stand up against any expression of faith that glories in the works of others motivated by their flesh. You stand up against that. When you sniff that out, you need to go, "Uh uh-uh, I am not rolling with that crowd. That is not freedom. That's slavery, and I'm not going to be a part of it. It doesn't mean that you tear them down. It doesn't mean that you, you know, speak to them in ways that, you know, beats them up. It just means you stand against it. I'm not going to stand for a hypocritical faith in me, and I'm certainly not going to glory in trying to get others to do what I do. Verse number 14, Paul says, we talk about boasting. Be far, but far be it from me to boast. Let let boasting be so far away from the things that I do. I, I, I don't want to brag. I don't want to boast. I, I don't want to elevate myself for anything. If I'm going to brag, if I'm going to boast, if I'm going to glory in anything, let it be in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. They're gonna boast in the works of the flesh. They're gonna boast in how many folks they got and they're getting in. They're not doing what they're preaching, but they're boasting about how many folks they're gathering. I don't even wanna boast about nothing. I don't wanna boast about anything I've ever done, anything I've ever had, any opportunities I've ever been afforded. I wanna brag about that. If I'm gonna brag about anything, I want it to be in the cross of Christ. The very thing that these hypocrites were trying to set aside so they aren't persecuted. Paul says, I want my life to be marked by a fixation on the cross and all that goes with it. I want it to be, I I, I want my life to be so much a mirror reflection of the self-sacrifice of Jesus. And when folks are around me, they know why I am what I am because I tell them it's through the work of Christ, his death and resurrection. We stand up for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ as the only source of our justification, the only source of our life and the only source of our freedom. I don't think anybody in this room would stand and say, you know what, Kevin, I'm just really not impressed with the cross, because we are. We know that the cross is the source, but is that what we boast in? We boast about a lot of things. You say, I, I don't, yeah, we do. We, we are proud of a lot of stuff. We draw attention to a lot of things, including our own self. We go, we get to working out a little bit, what do we do? We want to talk about it. We want to show it. We get a new new place to live. What do we want to do? We want to have a bunch of folks over. Why? So they can see it. We, we call it, we want to entertain. Really, we just want to see it. And honestly, we want to hear folks go, that's nice. And you go, well, thank you. We, you know, we just really are humbled by it. No, you're not. You want to get the accolades. You get a new car, what do you do? You wash it before you go anywhere a bunch of folks is going to be. And when you come in, you kind of get like, you come in and pull it. Whatever. We all wrestle with wanting to boast, right? Paul said, what if the only thing we were proud of is who we are in Christ? That the cross become the central focus of our pride. Because we know apart from the cross, there is nothing to boast about. We stand up for freedom when the cross becomes our source. We stand up for freedom when we look at the call and the lure of the world as something that is dead to us. Paul said, I'll boast in the cross because I know that's why I am, who I am, that's why I have what I have. That's why I've become what I become. It's through the cross. And through the cross. The world is dead to me. Its call, and you know its call is, is it's a siren call, right? I mean, it's alluring. The call of the world sounds great. Come over here. And you're like, okay, I'll come. And the world is dead to me, and I'm dead to the world. I I, the world don't even come knocking at my door no more because every time they knock, they find that dead man lives there. We stand up for freedom when we stand up against the call and the lure of the world. How do we do that? By trying real hard? No, he's already told us. When we walk by the Spirit, when we live our life listening first to the Spirit of God, God what do you want me to do? Then we will not indulge our flesh. We can't listen and obey God and indulge our flesh at the same time. So if I'm listening to him, I won't engage in the call and the lure of the world. If I'm listening to him, the world will not be able to get in touch with me because they'll get the busy signal because I'm in tune with the spirit. Does that make sense? We stand up for freedom when we stand up against the call and the lure of the world because of who we are in Christ and because of who we're following. We can hear it. We can believe it. We can amen it, but Paul says you got to stand on it. And the cross has to be the source of our stand. Verse number 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. We stand up for freedom when we stand up for the new creations that we are in Christ by faith plus nothing minus nothing. We stand for freedom when we are consistently reminding our brothers and sisters that we are new. Our, our, our stand for freedom is when we're presenting the gospel. We don't put it as something that has to be attained that you can reach or arrive at, but we tell them who they are apart from Christ and who they can be with him. We stand for freedom when we stand for the new creation apart from anything else, uncircumcision whether you'd go here or you were born there or you look like this or you've got that that doesn't matter at all what matters is who we are in christ by faith plus nothing minus nothing you can believe it but paul says you got to stand on this because it's essential verse number 16 And as for all who walk by this rule, what is this rule? That we are new creations in Christ by faith. For everyone who will walk by that rule, then peace and mercy will be upon them. Most scholars believe that what Paul is referring to is the salvation they have. Peace with God and mercy him not acting toward them on the basis of their sin, but rather on the basis of the work of God. Everyone who follows after the rule that I come to God through Jesus by faith alone, plus nothing, minus nothing, can experience the peace with him and mercy from him, including, he says, and upon the Israel of God. Even those folks, almost like Paul is given an invitation as the letter's being read in front of everybody, including these folks that follow the law and require it out of the people. Paul is saying, look, everyone who will trust Jesus plus nothing, minus nothing has peace with God and mercy from him, even the Israel of God who thinks they've got the also included with salvation answer. Even those guys and even in this, Paul's saying there's an opportunity for you. You know folks that have rejected the gospel and have all kinds of answers for the gospel. You need to stand on the gospel. You need to stand on the fact that it doesn't matter what they say today, Tomorrow, the truth of Jesus by faith plus nothing minus nothing will give them that same freedom you enjoy no matter what hindrances they've got right now. Stand on it. They might not want it right now, but you keep throwing it out to them because that's the only way. But it is the way. And it will be available and open when they will submit. Stand up for the promise of salvation to all who come to God through faith in Jesus. Verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In the book of Acts, I think chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas was in Galatia in the city of Lystra, Paul gets beaten up and left for dead. So while he was there presenting the gospel, he gets left for dead. And Paul goes, look, I don't need to be troubled by anybody else who thinks they know about this walk with Jesus because I've got in my body the scars that prove that I know what the walk of Jesus requires. And it will require some measure of suffering. It will require uh, somebody following the leading of the Holy Spirit, even when the whole world's trying to drag you down, I got evidence, just look all over me. I don't need anybody to trouble me. I've suffered and I will suffer for the cause of Christ. We stand up for freedom when we stand up for those who have and be willing to suffer proclaiming the freedom we have in Christ by faith alone. People have suffered before us in horrendous ways. People are suffering now. We stand up for freedom when we stand with them and be willing to suffer alongside them for the cause of Christ by faith alone, plus nothing, minus nothing. It is coming in America. It is coming. It has been coming for a long time, but it is on the threshold right now. If Christ does not come back, and I think very soon, we are going to begin seeing Christians persecuted in practical ways because they stand up for the gospel. Now They're going to call it all kinds of other things. And it's going to... That's what they did. They ushered in those into the Colosseum to be eaten by animals. Why? Because they were heretics and they were against the state and they were a part of a terrorist organization. And you know what they were? Followers of Jesus, unwilling to call Caesar God because Jesus alone is God to be worshipped. They drug them into the Colosseum and their blood saturated that ground. They'll call it all kinds of things in America, I think. But I believe in my lifetime, we'll see persecution. Let us not be folks that try to skirt the persecution to avoid it. Let us be followers of Jesus, led by the Spirit, empowered by Him with boldness and courage and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness. All of those things, let us be ones that stand up with those who have suffered before us and be willing to take our turn in line because Christ is worthy. And in the last chapter, or last verse, he tells us that last little bit of, all right, you got a lot to think about. You've got a lot to stand up on. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's all I got to say. Amen. I get to work. We're to stand firm. What will we learn from Galatians? We have freedom in Christ. We have unlimited freedom in Christ. We have the ability to avoid our own flesh and the world and sin if we just keep our ears trained to the Spirit. And when our ears get off the Spirit, we've got one another to help us out of the muck, to restore us, to get us back in line so that we're all working together and God's given us stuff and opportunities to use in service to one another as we follow him together and we stand on the truth. If we're standing together... We can be standing firm. If we stand firm, then we'll be pleasing him as we wait his return no matter what goes on around us. Make sense? So let me leave you with this. Galatians chapter five, verse number one says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery Galatians 5 13 says for you were called to freedom brothers and sisters only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another Galatians 6 9 says and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we'll reap if we faint not in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 18 will be with your spirit. He says, I'll never leave you. I won't forsake you. I'm there. We're in this together. May that comfort and spur on your spirit so that you stand on that hill of freedom by the authentic and true gospel. Let no one drag you down for the glory of Christ. The building of his kingdom. Let's stand together. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I know we concluded a book today, but maybe you're here and your next step is Pastor Kevin, I'm just not really sure that I know Jesus as my Savior. You realize today could be the day that you go home knowing for certain? It's about you just admitting who and where you are and what you need and what has been provided. You're a sinner, you need forgiveness, and it's been made available through Christ in his death and resurrection. And it's about receiving that by faith. So that's something that you need to do, and it, it just, God's word's very clear, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here today wrestling with that, I'd love for you to take a step toward understanding God's drawing your heart just right where you are. Lord, I I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died for me and I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he's alive. I don't know how you did that, but I believe he's alive and I believe he died for me. Will you save me? Will you forgive me? I want to be your child. Right where you're at, you can come to know Christ by faith. If you need to know more about that, we'd love to tell you all we can. We'd love to show you all day long what God's Word says. Maybe you're here today and you got a burden and you just like for somebody to pray with you. I'm going to pray in just a second, but we've got some folks that are standing right up here in the front. One of our elders, his wife, they'd love to be able to take you to a private place. If you're burdened with something, you just like for somebody to pray with you. They'd, they'd love to be able to do that. Spend a few minutes, as long as it takes, just to be a friend and be a help. Mm-hmm. God, we, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your servant, Paul, who faithfully did what you called him to do. You wrote down the things that we needed to know, not only about the gospel, but about the freedom that it provides. And not only about the freedom it provides, but how it's to be used and how we're to stand on it for your glory. God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to stand on the truth of your word. Stand on the promise that you've given. Stand on the work that was done on the cross by your son on our behalf. May we become reflectors of his love. May we become reflectors of his grace. May your spirit produce fruit in our life that will look like Jesus, that'll sound like him, that'll look and react like him so that our life will be a reflection of your son. God, I pray that you'll give us an opportunity as we leave today to see some of the things that are going on here at uh, at Oasis Church and and to plug in, take a risk, ask some questions. God, give us the courage to get involved, to begin serving and used for your glory. We look forward to how you're gonna build us and grow us so that we can reach more with the truth of your gospel that brings freedom. We love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said?